Hello, Vetfolio Voice listeners. I'm so glad to have you back for this talk, sponsored in part by DECRA, where I'm joined by Dr. Darren Dell to discuss canine otitis externa and the use of Ocernia in the treatment of these cases. In the right cases, leave-in products can be an essential tool in resolving ear infections. I mean, think of the dog who refuses to let his owner apply ear medications, or the owner with a busy schedule who may have a hard time remembering medications. I may or may not be referring to myself there. Um, But the bottom line is not all leave-in products are created equal. So in this episode, Dr. Dell will break down the basics of working up and treating recurrent otitis and how Ocernia can play a role in resolving them. Let me tell you a little about him and we'll get into our discussion. Dr. Dell completed two years of undergraduate studies at Iowa State University before being accepted to the University of Illinois College of Veterinary Medicine, where he graduated with honors. Dr. Dell developed a love of dermatology while in vet school when he adopted a rough-coated collie named Drifter who had food allergies. Dr. Dell worked in small animal general practice for six years and small animal emergency for two years before beginning his residency with the animal dermatology clinic. He became a diplomate of the American College of Veterinary Dermatology in 2012. I had an absolute blast recording this with him. Here's our episode. All right, we're joined today by Dr. Darren Dell. Dr. Dell, thanks so much for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me, Kathy. Oh, it is my pleasure. And we're here to talk about otitis externa, which we certainly see, you know, I know I certainly see a ton of in general practice. Yes, I'm excited to talk more about it. Everyone sees a ton of otitis. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Especially, is it the same in Colorado? I mean, in Florida, it's just, I mean, all the time. Uh, yes, unfortunately, you know, Colorado people think is a really snowy place, but our winters are very mild. So we still have plenty of, of otitis in December, January, all year long. Oh, so it's good to know we're not alone down here. <laughs> not alone, not alone. You have a lot more humidity than we do, but otherwise it, the allergy is the same. Sounds good. Same, same all around. What do you think are some of the biggest misunderstandings about otitis externa? Well, that, that's a really good place for us to start. I think the biggest thing uh, in general practice is that thinking that there's really just kind of two types of otitis, you know, the, the simple ones that just get an ointment and get better, and then the horrible ones that kind of suck the life out of you and never seem to go away. There's a whole lot more in the middle there. So it's important to understand that, that otitis is really, it's an inflammation of the external ear canal, otitis externa. Usually there's infection but it's more of a sliding scale of, of what's a mild case to moderate to severe to, to very, very chronic. There's a scale, there's a progression along that. The next thing that I think is a very common misunderstanding is that infection causes otitis externa. And I know that's a really easy thing to think, but just consider the standpoint that the ear canal is never sterile. There's always some bacteria and always some yeast in there. So just having infection isn't what causes the problem. There's always something underneath it. And that's really where we need to, uh, what we need to address so that we can stop it from coming back. Yes. Which leads me to my next question that I'm a little bit afraid <laughs> to hear the answer to, because the question is what's the secret to preventing recurrent otitis externa. And I really want the answer to be, you just got to put the right ointment in there two weeks and you're good to go. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. 
I really do. I don't think dermatologists love treating recurrent otitis externa either, at least not very many of us. Um, but unfortunately, the secret to stopping the recurrent part is to get into the underlying cause, uh, which is usually allergy. So there are other underlying causes of otitis externa. You know, sometimes we'll see ear mites or we might see a metabolic disease like hypothyroidism. Uh, but most of the time, those recurrent otitis externas are because of allergy. Uh, and we all know that allergy is a really hard beast to wrestle with. Everybody's different as far as what allergy treatment they need. Uh, allergy influence changes throughout the year. So what works for you in December might not work in June. So it's really a tough thing to battle against, but it's super important because when we deal with that primary cause, when we deal with the allergy, that's when the otitis externa doesn't come back. I feel like, you know, I keep asking that question, hoping for a different answer. And it's definitely treat the underlying allergy. No, and, and you're right. You know, I, and I've seen those cases where you really identify the underlying allergy and that's the ticket to making it go away for good. Absolutely. And it, it can be hard to get the owners on board as well, because, you know, the ear infection is something they can see, they can smell it, but the allergy is sort of more of this you know, it, it's something you can't put your finger on. You don't know that it's there, especially if the client doesn't have allergies, you know, and it's just the dog because then they don't really understand what that problem means, that it's this thing that you can't see with your eyes, but it affects you and it makes you feel really bad. So it's a tough one. Absolutely. Absolutely. When we're treating these, what do you think is one of the most common things that we as veterinarians forget about otitis externa? Uh, the biggest thing that I always harp on is that ear infections hurt. Uh, and for those of us who are parents, uh, we have a little, maybe you've had little kids at home, you've had a child with an ear infection, you know how much they cry. And there's no reason to think that dogs and cats don't feel pain with otitis externa as well. Um, we just kind of always assumed, right? You know, when I went to school 20 years ago, we didn't talk about otitis externa being painful. But now we know so much more about pain in dogs and cats, right? And, and really in all of our companion animals, we know so much more how they feel pain and how important managing pain is to their healing, right? Because we know that when pain isn't controlled, there's more inflammation and they don't heal as well. So controlling that pain, getting in there is, is such a big thing. It also plays into uh, account when we're talking about treating the ears. You know, we, we've classically said, oh my gosh, I can't treat this dog. I can't clean his ears. I can't touch his ears. That's because he's painful. You know, we just need to get in there and provide them that pain relief. So many of these dogs that maybe years ago, we would have said, oh, that's just a bad dog. We can't touch his ears. Well, he's painful. You know, there's something, there's a way for us to make a difference in that animal's life without doing anything crazy or over the top. It's just really seeing the need, seeing the problem and then addressing it. Do you send home like oral pain medications for these otitis cases or, you know, are we kind of relying on the topical steroids? Do you have a recommendation in terms of um, pain management for these guys? That's a really good question because I think you have to decide based on the patient and the client. So most of the time I will send them home with an oral pain reliever. I might use gabapentin. Uh, I might use carprofen kind of depending on what else is going on. So carprofen is, is fine if you're not planning to use a steroid orally. Gabapentin is nicer if you do need an oral steroid. A lot of times, whether I do that with an ointment is going to depend on how painful the dog is. And then the owner too. Because if I have a client who says, gosh, you know, doc, I just really can't, I can't touch his ears. He won't let me get near them. Well, you know, it's surprising 
what three days of pain relief ahead of your treatment will do for you. So, you know, when we send them home with three days of gabapentin and prednisone and tell the client, wait three days, then start treating the ear. Wow. It goes so much better um, because the dog is already feeling more comfortable. They're not worried about the owner coming near them uh, and they can get the treatment done. Sometimes I will also use trazodone for um, sort of an anxiety standpoint too. So many of these cases are recurrent otitis. So it's not just the pain today. It's also the memory of the pain from the last three ear infections. And just like us, you know, if you go to the doctor and they're always, you know, jabbing you with the thing in your ear, what are you going to do? You're going to shy away. So if we can take away some of that anxiety, so they're calmer and we take away the pain, then the dogs start to learn that, Hey, this is, this is okay. I can get better from this. I can, I can really get through this. And the owner sees it too. And that's, that's one of the, my most rewarding parts is when we treat all of their, all their signs, uh, the pain and the anxiety and the infection and the allergy, when we really get all that put together, Oh, it's like an aha moment. The client understands it and the dog feels way better. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm shaking my head here going, well, yeah, I've, I've certainly encountered those dogs where you can't touch the ears. And, uh, you know, my hope has been once we get some of that inflammation under control with the ear medications that that will become easier. But what you're saying makes so much sense. Just give them three days to calm the inflammation down or address the anxiety from the fact that this has been painful for a long time. And you might have a whole lot better luck in getting this under control. Yeah. And clients are much more likely to do it. You know, it's just, it's the same thing. People may leave your office, well, leave your parking lot these days, but go home with the medications um, and have the best of intention, right? Oh yes, the doc says, I just have to put this ointment in. But if they do it once and it's such a struggle, you know, are they going to do it the second time or are they going to be kind of apprehensive? Are they going to forget, you know, casually that, oh, I forgot to do the ointment doc because it was just such a pain. Whereas when we take away the the pain and anxiety first and and then they do the ointment, they also, we're also training our clients that, wow, this isn't so bad. I can do this. You know, let's, let's go. Absolutely. And that kind of leads into kind of our next topic of discussion, which is barriers to treating acute otitis externa. What do you feel like is one of the biggest barriers that we face when we're treating these otitis externa cases? Definitely the hugest barrier we have is client compliance. You know, we can talk to the owners until we're blue in the face, but they need to go home and sort of follow up on our recommendations. And this isn't just, you know, with otitis externa treatment or pyoderma treatment. We know that's a problem in, in every aspect of, of veterinary medicine, that compliance is usually fairly low. So speaking to clients in a simple and effective manner is very, very helpful, but still client compliance is really what gets in the way of most treatments for otitis externa. So what kind of tips do you use for improving client compliance? See, I love this question because my I made it my own little acronym. And I think acronyms are so much fun when they actually work out and they're not silly. So I think of it as EARS. So E-A-R-S. So I E stands it. for education. So, you know, asking the owner, have you cleaned your dog's ear before? And then if they say yes, well, explain to me how you clean your dog's ears. Because so much of the time it's, well, I take a cotton ball and just kind of wipe, you know, the outside of it. So we not only want to ask them, you know, do you know how to do it? But also, well, show me what you do. There are lots of good 
um, client resources out there for proper ear cleaning. So it's really important that we make sure they're doing it the right way to clean the entire ear canal. And again, that they're doing it safely and gently. So education is number one. The A stands for assistance. Um, so in other words, my question is usually, is there someone at home that can help you treat your pet's ears? Even if it's a five pound dog, usually it helps to have somebody else around. If it's a hundred pound dog, then obviously it's gonna be helpful. I think that asking that question kind of approaches the topic from a way where clients aren't afraid to say, no, I don't have anyone who can help me. Some clients may feel not like they should share that with you if there's no one to help them. You know, it may be as simple as they work nights and their significant other works days or that their partner is out of town for two weeks. So it's a simple enough question, but not everyone is going to volunteer that information for you. R stands for resistance. Uh, and actually this is pet resistance. So again, is there a history of your dog uh, not wanting them to clean the ears or touch the ears? Uh, you know, have they had bad experiences in, in the past? If the owner says, yes, you know, this has been such a struggle, then again, we may need to change the type of medication we use uh, topically in the ear, or we might think harder about, you know, using trazodone or using gabapentin to make sure that the animal is comfortable. And then S stands for schedule. Do you have time? Uh, and I think it's so freeing when we ask clients, well, you know, I have this really great treatment, but do you, do you think you have the time to do it? Because again, it gives them an opportunity to say, no, I, I don't, without them having to feel bad. You know, this past year has been especially tough for, for parents who have to take their time teaching their kids. So maybe they really don't because they're homeschooling their kids right now. Uh, or again, maybe their schedule has changed with work because of um, things in the world. So just asking that question will help make sure that you're not giving them something to do that they just can't do. So education of cleaning and how to medicate assistance. Is there somebody to help you at home? Resistance. Do you think this will be a problem with your pet? And then schedule. Do you have time or should we think about some other option? Following closely behind those four questions becomes thinking about using a residual ear treatment like Ocernia instead of your typical daily or twice daily ear medication. I mean, thinking as someone who, you know, I does have some of the barriers, you know, as far as time and stuff like that to treating ears, something that's like a long-term leave-in sounds pretty appealing. So can you tell us a little bit more about Ocernia? Absolutely. So Ocernia is unique in the veterinary market because of what it is and how it works. So Ocernia is a leave-in ear gel labeled for treatment of otitis externa. It contains an antibiotic, an antifungal, and a steroid. And obviously, most of our uh, topical ear medications in veterinary medicine contain those three ingredients. So it's not necessarily the ingredients that make it unique, although the antibiotic is unique. What really makes it unique is the delivery system. So Ocernia is a unique gel, which actually mixes with the earwax in the ear and coats the ear canal walls. So it is a leave-in, but it does not occlude the ear canal. And that's important. We're going to get to that a little bit later. We're going to talk more about that because it's so important. But because it mixes with the earwax and sticks to the walls, it doesn't inhibit uh, sound. It doesn't inhibit uh, airflow in and out of the ears or earwax from coming out either. But what it does do is it takes away the owner's responsibility to treat the ears at home so that that animal can get consistent treatment throughout your prescription 
uh, for the ear infection without the owner having, you know, again, to wrestle with them or to find the time or to find someone to help them. How would something like Ocernia, that's kind of a long-term treat, leave-in treatment, be different from, say, like an Otapac, also kind of a long-term leave-in? Excellent. I love this question because uh, for the longest time, OD-packs were what people, what, were what veterinarians turned to when they had a client who couldn't treat their dog's ears, right? So there are some really important differences though between Ocernia and OD-packs. So OD-packs are, as the name implies, a packing of the ear canal. So you can get OD-packs from compounding pharmacies that contain uh, various types of antibiotics, steroids, and antifungals. So again, I'm not going to focus on the, the specific ingredients that they put in there because you could order pretty much whatever you want. But the problem comes in that the ear canal is packed. So by packing the ear canal, we really occlude uh, not only the dog's ability to hear, but we also occlude airflow in and out of the canal. What that does is it increases temperature in the ear canal and humidity, right? Occluding the ear canal also prevents earwax and debris from coming out. So I'm sure we've all had those ear infections where it just seemed like it was making discharge every second. As soon as you cleaned it, it seemed like there was more gunk to come out. When you pack the ear, you're packing all that below it. So it doesn't have a chance to come out. And in doing so, you're actually inhibiting the way the ear canal naturally takes care of infection. So naturally the ear canal's way to help itself is to get infection out. It tries to remove that stuff out through what we call epithelial migration. When you pack the ear, that can't happen. So it really creates an environment that is not very healthy for the ear canal long-term. In the short-term, the clients certainly like OD-packs because they don't have to do the work. But in the long-term, you're not actually helping the ear because you are changing that ear environment. Again, Osternia is very different because it doesn't occlude the canal. It doesn't change the pH or the temperature in the canal, and it doesn't inhibit the natural mechanism by which wax and debris comes out of the ear. So it's the best of both worlds. We really get this residual activity from the medications, but we still allow the ear canal to be its natural environment and to get back to a more normal environment, which is healthier long-term. I'm so glad you touched on all of that. Cause that's actually been a question that I feel like I've had for a long time is, you know, what is the difference and how do the two medications function differently benefits and downfalls. So I'm so glad that we, that you went through that for us. Of course there is, there is one other thing that I'll mention, which is kind of not the, the doctor part of me, but the whole veterinarian part of me, I guess, uh, is, is that OD packs are because they're made by compounding pharmacies, they don't have reliable consistency as far as their medication amounts, or even in, as far as how long they're stable on your shelf. So because Ocernia is a commercially available product, it is approved by the FDA, which means you know every dose is the same. Uh, it's got an expiration date, so it's guaranteed to work until that date. You also have the company uh, behind you that somebody you can call for customer support. When you use Odipax through a compounding pharmacy, we don't have any of that. Those compounding pharmacies and those medications are not inspected by the FDA. So it can vary from order to order. And that that's troubling because you definitely want consistent results. Absolutely. So I can definitely see how Ocernia is kind of best of both worlds here. How, how do we use Ocernia? Excellent. Excellent question. So the first thing to do with Ocernia is obviously your otoscopic exam. So the patient comes in, maybe the owner already knows that their pet has an ear infection. Maybe they're not sure whether their dog isn't feeling good. 
So you'll do your otoscopic exam, evaluate the ear canal, evaluate for infection, and also try to get a good look at that eardrum. Okay, so any of the leave-in products really need to be used when the eardrum is intact. If it's not intact, we wanna avoid, whether it's an ODPAC or a sternia, we absolutely wanna avoid them if the eardrum is damaged. Once we know the eardrum is intact and that we need to treat an infection, uh, then we clean out the ear really, really well. And again, you might uh, have your technician do this while you go talk to the owner, but make sure it's really, really clean. We also wanna let it dry. So that's not super hard. Just give it five or so minutes after, you've, after you're done cleaning. And then Ocernia comes in uh, little ampules, uh, similar to topical flea prevention. That's the best way that veterinarians have in our minds, I think. Uh, and you just click the top open and you'll squeeze the entire tube into one canal. So one tube for one ear. So that means if the dog has an ear infection on both sides, you need one tube for each side. Um, and that's it. Oosternia is super helpful because it's a gel. So each little tube of Oosternia is one mil and that's intended to, again, fully coat the entire ear canal wall. So all the way down from top to bottom. Uh, it's a gel, so it sticks there. Then what happens is that you give the client, you know, your instructions. So maybe you're also treating pain or you're treating allergy. Uh, and then they come back in seven days. And the, the whole point of the seven days is for you to evaluate as a veterinarian, how does the ear canal look? Has it improved? Is it less red? Is the dog more comfortable? Is there less debris? Because again, keep in mind, the owner isn't cleaning or medicating at home at all. Uh, so in seven days, things are looking really good. You're happy with the way the ear is. You're, seven days, the ear is looking really good and you're happy with the progress. Uh, then you go ahead and apply the second dose of Ocernia. Now, this time you do not clean the ear. So you leave it be. Uh, you can use like a Q-tip. If there's earwax that's accumulated around the ear opening, you know, use a Q-tip to get that extra wax out. Again, that's just a sign that that normal mechanism in the ear is working, that's great. Um, but don't use an ear wash and flush the ear. We just wanna, if we wanna pull some around the outside of the ear, that's fine. But you'll put your second dose in uh, of Ocernia. So again, one tube in each ear if you've got both ears affected. So after your second dose is applied, that treatment's gonna last for uh, over a month. Typically what I'll do then is have the owner come back 30 days after the second visit so I can look in the ear canal again. Uh, again, you could go a little bit on one side or the other of that. And the point there is that we want to make sure the ear canal has returned to normal. We want to make sure that there isn't any infection left. And again, that's when you may have a further discussion about allergy uh, or about any other symptoms that the dog uh, is showing at home. Dr. Dell, I'm so glad that you joined us today. I feel like you've answered so many of my questions that I had about Ocernia. So I'm sure a lot of questions that, um, that other folks have out there as well. Is there, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with us? First, thank you so much for, for having me today. So we could talk about this because ear infections are so common and so important, um, for all veterinarians to treat, but especially in general practice and, and dermatology practice. And then, you know, my, my biggest thing for everyone to remember is you really have to think about the pet and the person. So what's gonna be best for the pet? Do they need that pain relief? Do they need anxiety control? And then working with the person and realizing that, you know, we can't do a one size fits all approach because everyone is so different as far as everyone's time and ability uh, and even what, what they're willing to tolerate. So it's a good idea to keep products like Ocernia in mind because they can really be super helpful for your clients. 
It will improve client compliance and thereby improve the pet's life. Uh, and it can really give you a leg up as you start talking about those other things that you need to discuss. So, you know, whether you are talking about allergy or even something non-allergy related, if the owner has more bandwidth to think about these other things you're saying, because those certainly made their life easier in this, you know, in one aspect, well, that's great. So think about the whole, whole animal and the whole situation. I love it. Good advice for veterinary medicine as a whole. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Dell, for joining us. And thank you to DECRA for sponsoring this episode. And thank you to all of you out there who joined us. If you'd like to find more episodes like this, click on the education tab on the Vetfolio page. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this session, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day.